0: Hey, what's up, guys? It's Jeremy White. Welcome to this episode of the Mitch Lafon and Jeremy White Show. I'm not going to be playing the show intro this week. I'm going to get straight to the point. A lot of you have been messaging us asking, what's going on with the show? Where's the new episodes? How come there's no new interviews? Jeremy, Mitch, what's happening? Well, I'm going to give you the truth right now, and it's pretty simple. Uh, For the last little while, our good buddy Mitch Lafon has not been feeling well. And he's actually been on sick leave since early, early September, and he just has not... Been able to garner up the energy to physically do interviews. And uh, because of that, we just decided to take a small hiatus from the show, take a quick break. And we thought maybe, you know, a week or two in, you know, he'd be getting better and we'd get back to doing some great interviews with some of our favorite artists. And unfortunately, that's just not the case. And um, Mitch did this interview back in early August. Uh, speaking to Glass Tiger, they're going to be performing live in Montreal at the Corona Theater on December 1st. Tickets are on sale now at eventco.ca if you want to go check it out. Um, but my understanding is uh, at this moment in time, this may have been Mitch's final interview. Um, yeah, it's it's hard to say that. Um, I He and I both don't know what's going on with his health um maybe next week he'll be feeling better maybe not um but unfortunately for the time being we're going to be taking a break from the show um i might be doing a couple of solo interviews here and there uh with a couple of cool artists and stuff um talking to some different publicists and we're going to try and i don't know keep the show going a little bit but um between now and when that happens uh, we invite you to keep following the podcast and going into the, the back catalog. There's hundreds of interviews of some of the greatest artists and Rock and Roll Hall of Famers, Grammy winners. I mean, just... We've interviewed some of the greatest people ever in music and Mitch as well. And so uh, between now and when the show does finally return back to normal, uh, we invite you to go check those out. Enjoy them. There's so many back in the back catalog that I don't even think you'd be able to listen to all of them. But uh, you can also subscribe to our YouTube channels. I'm still doing some guitar content up there. Uh, if you want to follow me and subscribe to my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Jeremy White show, or you can just type in Jeremy White uh, guitar, Jeremy White podcast. I show up there. But uh, between now and when we can finally get back to normal, um, just take a moment to uh, have Mitch in your thoughts, send over some prayers, and uh, let's cross our fingers that our buddy can get back to being in great health and we can get back to rocking and rolling, all right? So uh, this may have been Mitch's final interview. Let's hope it's not, but let's get right over to this one. It's uh, Glass Tiger on the Mitch LaFon and Jeremy White Show. Thank you. All right, let's uh, let's get this started. We are speaking
1: with uh, the one and only, a singer of Glass Tiger, uh, Sir Alan Frew. They are coming to uh, Montreal at the Théâtre Corona on December first. And as we say here in Montreal, uh, bonjour,
2: Uh, Alan. How are you? Bonjour, my friend. How are you? I'm good,
1: thank you. Good. I am doing well. Uh, So so much to talk about. I want to do a little bit of the history, a little bit of the future but let's talk to let's talk about this tour you are doing select dates or across canada is Mm -hmm. is there a plan at some point to to try to get down to the states or head over to the uk or is sort of canada the place to play right now Well,
2: well ironically we had some things in place prior to COVID that included some lower states like uh, florida and across the arizona and across the california we had a date actually in scotland Oh wow and we had a couple of dates in germany for a band like us it's a lot of effort to do that mitch as you as you know very well know yep like i get fans that will write to me all the time and they'll just casually say hey why don't you come to chicago and i know they mean well but of course it's very difficult for a band like Glass Tiger to come all the way there to do a one-off. So we had them booked and we lost them because of COVID. And it hasn't resurfaced yet, as of yet, because it took a lot of effort to get them. And then of course they all vanished. And uh, some people have gone out of business. Uh, Some promoters didn't survive the, the pandemic. So as of right now, our mainstay is our home turf. And uh, these gigs that we've been doing actually, as a you know anybody who understands the concert business would wonder why would you do it this way? Because it was like, you know, we play Ottawa and then Penticton, BC, then Halifax, <laughs> then Vancouver, then Edmonton. Yeah. yeah, the the routing was a little spotty. I, I got to give right. you that, but but go and, ahead. And that was again because of COVID. Right. Those were the ones that survived uh had it been done properly as you know you try and do it in a straight line as best you can yep so we're now gearing up and looking ahead to 2024 believe it or not wow to maybe um and it might be a kind of last hurrah of that type of tour where you get you get in the bus uh or the plane whatever we're doing and you get in St. John's and you end up in Victoria and we hit every major place along uh, even second excuse me, even secondary places. So that but the these particular dates have been sporadic. But as always, Glass Tiger has a great affection for and a strong relationship with Quebec. Yeah. And to come up to come up and do a few dates in Quebec is always a joy for us. So here we come.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I don't think uh, fans appreciate the the cost enough of touring. Uh, Winger and Anthrax both had European tours coming up this fall and both cancelled and both put out statements that said, listen, with the rise of inflation, all of a sudden our flights are more expensive, our hotels are more expensive, and our guarantees don't go up with inflation. So now we can't make money. We're going to have to pay to come and play for you. And we can't do that. So they both cancelled.
2: Yeah, uh, you know, it was the first industry to go down and last one to try and get back on its feet. And um, it is a very costly uh, 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 business. And uh, again, for a band like Glass Tiger to stay close to home, that helps. Uh, We have a legacy here. Uh, People tend to still want to come out and see us. But when the cost of living... The cost of performing, uh, you know, is greater than <laughs> what you can put in. It makes no sense to fly to Sweden or Germany to lose your shot. It just doesn't, no. and it's a shame. It's a shame. We, we were saddened by it, but um, and of course, the other thing too is the industry still has not recovered. Uh, people are still gun shy, yes, and especially as we go into winter. And people start to think, "Oh, is this thing going to rear its ugly head again?" And the media keeps telling us, "Well, it hasn't gone; it's still here." So yeah. uh, it, it, people are still not that comfortable with coming out.
1: Yeah, and and I'll, I'll move off this topic to to get to the fun part. But but you're right because a lot of bands, like White Snake, was supposed to tour with Scorpions, and and uh, folks got sick, and they canceled, and and. Yeah. You buy a ticket and then you don't know if you're going to have the show. So people are waiting till like the day before to buy the ticket. And that's not a great way for business. Anyway, yeah. it's so incredibly Bye. complicated. Um, I want to ask you just real quick, because here we are in 2022 and the band in the uh, mid 90s, you took a, a hiatus. You 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 walked away from each other for about a decade. How important was that to you now? I mean... Had you stuck it out in those 10 years, you might have been burnt out. You might have just hated each other by the end of it. How important was that to just take a breather, refresh? And then when you came back, you just went, Yeah, this is home. This is where I need well, to be. The,
2: the irony was, Mitch, that I I myself didn't take a breather. Right. I was signed to EMI uh, for a solo project. And so Sam Reed. And Al Conley still sort of were in my inner circle because we wrote several things together for, for two albums that I ended up doing. Right. I, I myself sort of fell prey to the fact that right when I was about to launch a piece of work that I'm still as proud of today as the day I, I, I created it, uh, Alanis Morissette decided to uh, come on the scene. And as you know, <laughs> as you know, once that hit, then record companies, they just follow. That's what happens. Everybody goes, True. oh, no, we don't want 40-year-old uh, male contemporary singers. We <laughs> want 19-year-old angry females. Uh, no, but, but still, it, it is. I mean, uh, yes, you kept
1: working, and yes, you kept working with Sam and so on, but un, it's not under the brand, so it's different pressures. Exactly. Radio is not but, saying to you, where's my hit in the record? So there was so at yeah, least a mental break.
2: So, yeah, we parted company from each other in a certain way, a certain respect. And uh, I'm not sure what would have happened with those 10 years. Um, I mean, people often wonder why Glass Tiger has only put out three major albums and then uh, one other uh, completely new EP, uh, not including the Christmas one that we just did. Right. And yet, Blue Rodeo have done twenty albums, and you know the tragically hit the fifteen. <laughs> Come on, one. quality over quantity. Let's go with that. Uh, yeah, and 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 <laughs> as, and the irony of that is that not to blow my horn here, but of the three albums that we did, we ended up, ended up with you know five all time classic awards, and and we sold a shitload of records, yeah. and and had major hits within the confines of those three albums. So on the one hand, you wonder, would we have burned out and it would have diminished, or would we have given you another one? Uh, we'll never know. We'll never know. By uh, the way,
1: if, the, if the, this might depress you. I, we interviewed uh, Paul uh, Carrick last week, and since well, one, 2000, he's gone independent, and he's released 27 pieces of product, so 17 new albums and then some live ones. It's just like, holy, oh. <laughs> holy
2: Christ. Well, and... I mean one of my I mean a legendary vocalist one of my oh. favorite vocalists of all what a what a voice
1: the man with the golden voice as the BBC called him yeah I mean uh, that's 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 uh, the that's uh, the gold standard right there um talking about those albums you had a chance to work with Jim Valance who of course was Brian Adams' writing partner Mm-hmm. Um, but he wasn't a producer per se. I mean, he was. He was a writer. Talk to me about choosing him for the production of your albums, and 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 how did that work out? You know, to be sort of the drummer in Prism, to the writing partner of Brian Adams, to the producer of of, of Glass Tiger. That those are those are you know important leaps.
2: Yeah, I mean, ironically, um, on Sunday night, past mm-hmm. live from the stage. I was asked um, if I would go on my phone and congratulate Jim Valance, who's about to be inducted into the Songwriters Hall of Fame, uh-huh. and uh, I I won up I upped the game a little bit because I did it live from the stage in Toronto as we were performing "Don't Forget Me When I'm Gone." So Jim was an integral part of the success of Glass Tiger. Um, he came to for those of for those who don't know, as you mentioned, he's the songwriting partner of Brian Adams. Mm-hmm. They co-wrote all those classics together. They've also co-written for Rod Stewart and Tina Turner and Kiss, uh, yeah, uh, Backman Turner Overdrive, uh, um, uh, Aerosmith, uh, the Broadway show,
1: the Broadway show.
2: Uh, what's it called? The Pretty Woman. Right. So the idea of Jim Vallance being a producer is a no-brainer. Right. But he came to. Uh, the little town in Newmarket. we met he told us why he felt strong enough that he would like to be the producer of the album and then he offered his services as a co-writer uh one of the stories i love to tell is that on the first day that he picked us up at the airport um he's a meticulous Human being period in all aspects of his life, mm-hmm. and so he asked us what we were listening to at the time, and I mentioned bands like uh, Jesus Jones and uh, um, and uh, Tears for Fears, and so we Great picked band. we picked up some product. We sat over a cup of tea. We were listening to them. He heard everybody wants to rule the world, and he goes, Ah. Shuffle beat, mm-hmm. night, right? And yeah. so he immediately fired up a shuffle beat, and I immediately sang the words "Don't forget me when I'm gone" as a as a verse. Don't mm-hmm. forget me when, and with his you know level of thinking, he said, "Ah, brilliant title. Let's leave that for a moment." So within minutes, we're writing "Don't forget me when I'm gone," and then after about an hour of that. Uh, Sam Reid and Al Conley, they were smokers, so they left to go out and walk and go for a smoke. And violence immediately starts this little chugga-chugga thing on a keyboard, and I immediately go, when I come home, when I come home, that's all I did. Yeah. And by the time the boys come back, we've now started Sunday. And so within about five hours of working with this man, we have now started Don't Forget Me When I'm Gone and Someday, which go on to win the Juno for single of the year, both from the same album, had never been done before, uh, a year apart. And uh, that's the level of working, that that, that can be working with the likes of Jim Vallance. So uh, it was a no brainer for us to then move on as a producer and, and work with them in that realm.
1: Uh, listen, I love Jim, and, and he once told me, he said, you have to start with a title, and then you write the song around that, and it's just like, yeah. Uh, when he's there producing, though, he is the songwriter guy. How does that affect the song? Like, does he stop you all the time and say, oh, we need new lyrics, or or, 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 or that sound is not fitting to this beat, or... Uh... No, he,
2: certainly in my world, I think if you were talking to Jim, uh, i think he would mention my level of vocals, my level of lyrics, right. my approach to songwriting. I think he would tell you that I'm a top liner that needs no real sort of por- prodding and poking. And right. uh, uh, and I do my job and, and he sees me as a contemporary. Where his great uh, skill lay with us, was as you may remember, coming out of the seventies into the eighties, uh-huh. you wrote a song and it had six parts in it, two bridges, a chorus, a B section, two different guitar solos, and and you got really attached to them. And Jim was, uh, you know, brilliant at digging in and showing you why you didn't need something, right. showing you why you could clean that out show you why a line was important enough for you to recognize that you thought it was a throwaway line in the verse but he really sees it as the title of the song the like, don't forget me when i'm gone was the classic was the classic
1: let me ask you about this real quick because uh, on the show we've interviewed joe elliott and he said listen lyrically I-, I write phonetically if it sounds good as you say it even if the words don't make sense I'm in, and of course, pour some sugar on me being one of those examples where lyrically you just go, What is this? But then you hear it and you go, Yeah, that's, you know, radar love. So, how do you approach stuff lyrically? Does it have to match or do you really insistent on
2: telling a story?
1: And it, does it have to have a meaning?
2: No, I, I emote from my subconscious, I guess. Okay. I just emote ideas and feelings and emotions. And I, I piece them together as a sort of story. Uh, some of it may be really, we'll call it sensical and immediately right. identifiable to the listener. Some of it may be so, somewhat nonsensical and they can't identify with it and they have to make it up as they go along. And I hope to just please their ear. Um, I can only think off the top of my head... I know that Thin Red Line, I know the Ancient Evenings, and I know that World's Crumble. Those three songs had deliberate um, storylines on my part of things that I'd read, right. and I found of interest, and I wanted to try and get that down on paper. Other than that, I just emote, and then really to be truthful with you, I can then go back as a fan would, and maybe for me it might be years later, but I can go back and then try and understand what I was writing about right? and discover it.
1: Um, And I want to do one more thing in the world of of Brian Adams. You had Keith Scott, the guitarist, Mm -hmm. on a couple of the albums. Keith Scott, of course, is Bob Rock's go-to cleanup man. He comes in and he cleans up all the parts, Uh, of course, a lot of times sort of without anybody knowing. Uh, But how important was it to have Keith Scott on there and come in and and, and land his parts? Because he really is Canada's most underrated guitar player. I mean, he's just brilliant on every level.
2: Absolutely. And for us, with all due respect to Al Connery of Glass Tiger,
1: Mm -hmm.
2: when uh, there's a story, and we we don't need to get into the depths of it, but uh, Capitol Records at one point in their mighty wisdom wanted to break us up and wanted me to go to England. And they were going to match me up with David Bendith and they were going to make me a star right. and, and to my shock, because we were ready to put pen to paper as a band. Wow, And, uh, I was given this offer and I basically turned it down and pissed everybody at the record company off. I mean, Dean Dean used words like, who does that wee Scottish prick think he is, he'll never work (laughs) in town again, kind of thing. Uh, And then we were back to the drawing board. We did two nights with Boy George at Maple Leaf Gardens in Toronto. And my phone rang on the Monday and the opening line was, you're a star. And they wooed me back into the fold. And then Dean said, Okay, if I want the che- uh, if I want the cherries, I'll probably have to take the whole pie. Come down and sign. And once we signed, yes, we were kind of green behind the ears when it came to making albums. So we had given our word that as we went along, that should they feel that something at a higher level, studio wise, was required to come in and help with certain things, then so be it. And that's right. that's how that guitar part came along that keep being brought in.
1: Yeah, and, and listen, uh, no disrespect to anybody in the band, but Keith Scott, to me, is just a whole other level of good. I mean, that, yeah, that, and that as man you, is...
2: As you know, and as you learn as you go along, I mean, I did a solo album in Nashville mm-hmm. uh, that wasn't my present band that i take out live who are all great players but i needed a particular job done and and these people who live and breathe this in studio uh work at a different level at times
1: they they really do they really do and and there's a reason why bob rock has him on speed dial I mean, there's, yeah. there's, you know, there's a reason. Absolutely. Uh, just real quick, in terms of, of the solo career and, and the and, and EMI and the or capital, whatever saying, you have to be, why did you stick it out? I mean, you, you, you could have been a Brian Adams, but now you have a brand, a great brand. When you see Glass Tiger coming to the Corona, you go right away, I'm buying a ticket, I know what I'm getting. Why not give in to the temptation of being? Oh, I could be the next Cher, the next Brian Adams, the next Madonna.
2: Well, the, the 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 two phases in my life that offered me that opportunity the opportunity. Right. One one was the first one. Dean was saying, "You know your band is good, but you know you're a star. Right. You know, let's pluck you out of this situation, and we'll go make you a star." and i was young and i was loyal and right. uh they were my friends and i knew we were great and i knew that we could take it you know to a higher level and so i turned them down and i stuck with a band the second time it was offered to me was when i did the hold on album and that's exactly what happened i fell prey to the industry right the industry i go into the studio i do a fine wonderful piece of work Hold On is a wonderful high level uh, beautifully recorded mm-hmm. working with great musicians yep. and the business changed um, Alanis Morissette launched Jagged Little Pill and the entire industry in this, the same thing happened in Canada yep. in 1986 when Glass Tiger launched then everybody was searching for the next Glass Tiger Yes, cats can fly, and uh, you probably you're you're way more knowledgeable than I am. But you could probably name six eighties bands. Uh, uh, they were used to be uh, the Parkland Brothers, and everybody was.
1: Um, well, in uh, Canada, let's. I mean, they, they they threw at us Brighton Rock. They threw um, Haywire. They. I mean, exactly. they threw a, a ton. Well, okay, so so you have this offer and you say no I'm going to stick it out and then Thin Red Line goes four times platinum in Canada, Diamond Sun how rewarding was that do you look back, because I mean had Thin Red Line stiffed and but you would have been fudge, I should have I should have, I could have but you have this four times platinum and you go see, I told
2: you well I, I, again, a little I'm satisfaction not, uh, I'm not built that way really, no, like, okay. okay but what I probably would have done had it stiffed. Either capital would still have been smart enough to say, well, it's stiff, but this guy's got a voice right. that, that we want, which is what they did later on in years. Or you know, I, there was a time when Warner Brothers and Virgin and Island Records, they were all sniffing around gotcha. anyway. So I would like to think that someone might have thought, well the band stuff but he's still got all the parts so let's go get him kind of thing
1: right so so Th- thin red line wasn't necessarily make it or break it. it it worked out that you made it but there would have been other options um
2: i, I would like to think so who knows well
1: i think so uh, I'm, i'll a lot of fans haven't heard this discussion before so we'll i'll ask you again and we've talked about this in interviews before but your, your brush with Iron Maiden and you being a soccer player, and and you got hurt, if I remember correctly, in one of the stories. Yeah. They, they broke your leg or your calf nah, they, or they, something. Something they, happened.
2: Yeah. <laughs> go ahead. So, uh, yeah, please. Iron Maiden were coming to Toronto, and we were leaving to go on tour with the Moody Blues on the Monday and on uh-huh. the Saturday, and I'm presuming it was a Saturday. I put a team together in Toronto, and I am maiden in a team together, and we did this charity soccer game. Right. And then, just prior to that, in the mighty wisdom, I get asked if I, uh, I get told almost that I that we've now decided that Glass Tiger is going to shoot a video for a song called "Far Away from Here," which yep. I hate, <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> And I spend fifteen hours or more shooting this video. God. Wearing kind of kind of heeled boots, marching up and down on concrete for about 15 hours. And then with no sleep, I show up at the the stadium in Toronto. I get my football gear on, and we're now playing soccer. And there was a moment where My tired leg tried to plant on AstroTurf. My body turned, my knee turned, and my lower leg didn't. And I snapped snapped my anterior cruciate, I snapped my medial collateral ligament, and I tore my cartilage. And by the Saturday night, I was in agony. By the Sunday, I went to the hospital, and they wanted to operate on me, and I wouldn't let them. And so they put me in a full-length cast from groin to ankle, And I flew to Atlanta, Georgia, and I started a full American tour with the Midi Blues, not realizing that I was bleeding in the capsule of my knee. (sighs) Uh, And so after about maybe a dozen shows of torture, I let them cut the cast off my knee, and my leg was all shriveled, and they operate on me, and I go back on stage with a brace on and finish the tour. nightmare
1: i mean on on one hand that's very commendable that you didn't just cancel but on the other hand that's really stupid that <laughs> you didn't
2: oh, yeah. just get the treatment <laughs> I mean, well I, uh, I, don't, I don't know if you know or not, i broke my neck uh yeah 10, 10 days before going on tour with Corey Hart, and i did the whole tour i was at, there i was at the bell center in montreal i'm not yeah. sure if you are there but
1: yeah i was there that's a few years but yeah my god my um and uh, since we're, uh, we're, I'm keeping this to half an hour, and we're running out of time, so I'll ask you this: How awesome was it that the Leafs kept their first-round elimination streak alive? <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that terrific?
2: It's slightly better than Montreal not qualifying for the playoffs. So uh, Sli- yes,
1: but but 18 years of losing in the first—what a streak! That is just <laughs> awesome.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, well done, Mitch. Well done.
1: I know, I know. And listen, uh, we'll see. I, I, I think Montreal makes the playoffs this year. They will be eliminated in the first round, but I think they have enough talent to sneak in, say hello, <laughs> and then yeah. be shown the door. But
2: and the Leafs probably have enough talent to go a tiny bit further and then break everybody's heart again.
1: Yeah, hopefully, but uh, yeah, and and the least need to get it done because the, their roster is getting old and expensive. They, had the final countdown. You know, the Europe is playing at the stadium right now. You know. <laughs>
2: yeah. yeah.
1: There you yeah. go. Uh, December first in uh, Montreal at the Théâtre Corona. Toujours un plaisir. Always a pleasure. Uh, look forward to the show. Look forward to seeing you. Are you if, coming, Paul? You
2: coming too? Right.
1: Why not? We got to go. It's one of the greatest shows in town.
2: Okay, then I'll see you there.
1: You know, you can never go wrong with a Glass Tiger show, a Brian oh. Adams show, a Scorpion. Show. There are just some bands that just have 40 years of delivering the goods.
2: Yeah, we played Toronto on Sunday night. There was about, I don't know, six, seven, eight thousand there. And we were at the top of our game and they were at the top of theirs. And people have been writing ever since that it was like turning the clock back and it was a great night out.
1: It is. I mean, it's it's just single after single. I mean, we all sang them on uh, watching them on Much Music, and it's just one hit I after. And
2: really the other. quick, to keep you, I know you wanted to get. No, going, no, no. But, go ahead. I, I have all day. I just, uh, I just. This one, just... this one has a has a, a Christmas holiday theme to it. Okay. You know, there the will be a touch of spending, spending a wee bit of the holiday season. The last Tiger. We will interject with uh, songs from our our uh, our holiday album that we put out last year. So, yeah.
1: Oh, that's great! Listen, uh, speaking of of that, uh, yesterday for for randomly here in in like it was August yesterday, I was listening to Paul Carrick's Christmas albums, and man, there's just something fun about them at any time of the year. So yeah, for looking sure. forward to that okay, LCBN. Paul. Always a pleasure. Cheers! Cheers!
2: An all new episode of the mitchell fun and Jeremy
0: White Show Tuesday at noon. Available wherever you stream. Catch up on past interviews, bonus content, and episodes on demand now. Visit youtube.com slash Jeremy White Show. Follow Mitch and Jeremy on Twitter. Yeah, they're verified. At Mitch Lafon and at Jeremy White MTL.